team, thank you so much. Appreciate all of you. Amen. Thank you, First Lady and team, for stepping up. In the absence of Noah, I know he appreciates it. Appreciates it a lot. I'd like to quickly get into the Word of God, if that's okay. I'd like to go ahead and get into the book of Numbers, chapter 17. If you would turn there with me this morning. Go ahead and turn there with me this morning. I'd like to just kind of take a minute and echo Pastor and uh, this morning in his announcement. I appreciate uh, the enthusiasm that he showed talking about a very big Sunday that is going to be happening next week. I'm very, very excited about. I'm very excited about. I'm very Hey, man, I think I got Jerry the Mouse in the sound system this morning. What do y'all think? Y'all think I got Jerry the Mouse in there? I feel like, Tom, I want to chase him down and get him out of there. Amen. And I want to tell you something right now. When you hear that sound, it has absolutely nothing to do with the sound, man, okay? I want to tell you that. We're Pentecostals. Some would maybe say it's something in the wiring, but we're Pentecostals. We're just, we're just going to say it's the devil, amen? That's what we're going to say. We're going to say it's the devil, amen? So would you help me give some love to our sound team this morning? Praise God. We love them. Appreciate them. Praise God. Praise God. We appreciate their patience and uh, their understanding uh, so much and, and having to kind of, let me tell you, Pentecostal sounds a tough thing. It, it can be. It, it may as well be uh, Led Zeppelin or someone like that up here when you got spirit-filled people and they like their sound. So we appreciate them so very much. So in the book of Numbers chapter 17, I'm going to try another mic. Okay, he's going to try something. That's okay. I gotcha. Thank you. God, praise God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, praise team, for being willing to give up your microphone this morning. And the place we normally buy microphones can't get microphones. So we're just uh, hallelujah anyhow. Amen. The my, uh, music store we'll go to for quick, you know, quick things and quick equipment. He can't hardly get anything. I stopped in to see him yesterday, and he had one electric bass guitar in his whole music shop. And uh, I'm like, wow, oh my goodness, my goodness. And believe it or not, you know what it has to do with? Anybody want to guess? The chips. Yes, even down to the guitars and to the bass guitars, it has to do with the chips. I'm going to make myself sound like, uh, what, was that? what was that brother's name? He was an eschatologist to the 10th degree. He passed away a few years ago. He and his wife would sit at like what looked like a news desk, and they constantly, anybody know who I'm talking? Calvin, your dad used to watch him left. Jack Van Impey. Remember Jack, anybody remember Jack Van Impey in the house? 
I'm going to sound like Jack Van Impey when I say this. If you don't believe Jesus is coming back soon where you can't buy an electric guitar because of a chip, honey, you better get to know him quickly because he's coming back really soon. So, amen. We appreciate that. Thank you. How many know we're just here to have church this morning and glorify the Lord? Amen. But we do want to do it with excellence. We do want to do it with uh, skillfully. We don't just want to throw anything sloppily together. I, I learned something in the old church a long time ago. If a singer gets up and says they're not here to entertain anybody, I guarantee you they're not here to entertain anybody. Amen. If you are probably somebody who would rather wring the neck of a child than love a child, children's ministries is not for you. And if you can't carry a, five, a tune in a five-gallon bucket, then the worship team's probably not for you. Amen? So we, we, do, we, wanna, we still want to do things skillfully. Somebody say amen to that. We still want to do things skillfully. We still want to do things with practice. Um, just same way everything takes practice and preparation. You wouldn't want pastor getting up here without studying. Therefore, we wouldn't want our praise team up here without practicing. Or would we want our children's ministries team without preparing and practicing? Uh, I was at a seminar not long ago, and this children's pastor uh, of a very large church was teaching, and uh, she said, she said, there's something in children's ministries. He said, something that you do that's uh, unique to other ministries is that you actually practice your sermon. That's something very needed in children's ministries. She said, because she learned very quickly that if you're going to pop popcorn with a layer of acid in a baking sheet, you better know how to use that. Because she said she put like an inch of it in the cookie sheet and not like a slathering at the bottom. She said stuff began to smoke and she burned up her pan and <laughs> they had to call an emergency situation. So she said, always, 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 always practice your lessons. Amen? So I'm so excited to be here this morning. So glad to see you. Mamas and daddies in the house, are you glad to see the youngins go back to school this week? Somebody give the Lord a hand clap and a shout for that. Praise God. But would you go with me this morning to the book of Numbers, chapter 17? I'd like to read from verse 1 uh, through verse 6. Amen. Very common account in Scripture. It simply says, And the Lord spake to Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and take every one of them a rod according to the house of their fathers, of all their princess, princes, plural for prince, according to the house of their fathers, twelve rods, write thou every man's name upon this rod, and thou shalt write Aaron's name upon the rod of Levi. For one rod shall be for the lead of the house of their fathers. And thou shalt lay them up in the tabernacle of the congregation before the testimony, where I will meet with you. And it shall come to pass that the man's rod whom I choose shall blossom. And I will make to cease from me the murmurings of the children of Israel, whereby they murmur against you. And Moses spake unto the children of Israel, and 
every one of their princes gave him a rod apiece. I have a slight lisp and it's kind of killing me reading this out of the King James Version Bible because in the day and age I want to echo the fact that it was the word prince and the, the plural of prince, not, you know, Elsa and Snow White and all them, okay? Not the princess, but the prince. And Moses spake unto the children of Israel in verse 6, and every one of their princes gave him a rod for each prince one, according to their father's houses, even twelve rods, and the rod of Aaron was among their rods. Father, I thank you this morning for the truth and the power of your word. I thank you, God, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I praise you, Lord, and I thank you for just an excellent time of worship that we've had this morning. I praise you, Lord, for the fact that God, though men may fall short, your spirit is ever so willing to move. And I'm just so humble of that today, God. Lord, I pray this morning over your word in the sanctuary. And I'd like us never to forget the ministry that's happening in other places of this campus. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost would move in a great way in our children's ministries. And I know we're going to do this next week, but would you lift your hand toward heaven, make a point of contact with me. Father, I pray right now that the Holy Spirit would begin to move and speak into the hearts of children this morning. Father, we need a move amongst the children like we have never needed it before. And I pray, God, I pray, God, that the old-time revival would rise up even within the students of this house. I pray, God, from the elementary age through the teenage age that the Spirit would move so much that the gifts of the Spirit would flow in times of teen ministry, in times of children's ministries. I pray that students would would receive the power of the Holy Ghost. And most importantly, God, I pray for salvation for each and every one of them. Father, I pray this morning, God, that as we begin to look and realize that there is destiny in dead places. I don't know why, but I know it's the Spirit of God quickening my spirit this morning, reminding me that there is still a Holy Ghost that can move not just in the older, but he can move in what is yet to come. And I pray, Father, for that promise this morning that the latter shall be greater than the former. And, Father, amidst all the confusion and perversion that the enemy tries to lay a hold of our students, we declare that there is a spirit that can overcome all the powers of wickedness and darkness. In Jesus' name we pray. I feel the preacher anointing on me this morning. I feel the old time evangelist rising up inside of me. Will you just go ahead and flow with my Pentecostal culture and give the Lord a big hand clap and a shout, rejoicing in him and the power of his spirit. Hallelujah. I got to land this. Amen. I'm here to tell you something right now. That the Lord can reveal destiny in the dead places. This passage of scripture is kind of a response to the Lord saying once and for all, I'm going to reveal, I am going to reveal who it is I want and what I want them to do. 
once and for all, I'm going to reveal myself in the eyes of man. In other words, he's telling Moses, he's saying, I don't want you to bring the once and for all. I want you to give me the once and for all. I want you to give me the once and for all. This account of scripture starts if you hit the rewind button over in Numbers chapter 16. We read the account of the rebellion of Korah and this questioning of authority and this rising up against the one that God had destined and that God had chosen. We had literally seen God move miraculously, declaring who he wanted in authority, so much so that the earth had moved and the earth had open swallowing those who were deciding to walk against the uh, authority the God appointed and God anointed authority of Moses I'm here to tell you something right now the fight is not ours to fight can I say that for just a second the fight is not ours to fight the Lord will reveal himself at times where we need him to fight the fight for us the struggle is real but the struggle is not yours the fight is real but the fight is not yours Oh, I want to say that one more time. The struggle is real but the struggle's not yours. The fight is real but the fight is not yours. So much so that when the authority of the Lord backs his people, I love that portion where Moses had made that declaration saying, let it be so that I'm pretty much the wrong man. If they get to a place and they die of natural causes or they get to a place where they live of age and die naturally. But if the Lord be true, when Moses put that situation over in God's hands, the Bible says that the earth began to open up and it swallowed up those with the rebellious spirit. It's kind of like the promise of Psalm 24.1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. You want to know what's happening, folks? There's a fight that is looming. There is a battle that is happening. There is an enmity that is trying to rise up. But there's a hope in Jesus Christ because we stand upon the battleground that already belongs to the Lord. Praise God. I'm getting a little, I'm getting a little lit a little too early, amen? I'm going to have to take this down just a little notch. The battle belongs to the Lord. And here we have this situation. Even after the earth opening up, folks still begin to rise up against Moses saying, even I like what scripture says, that you have killed the people of the Lord. You have taken away and taken the lives of the people. Is that not a flesh moment if you've never seen one in scripture? You have taken the lives of the people of the Lord. Can I stop for just a moment here? Can I tell you that there is a great value to knowing those that one labor amongst you? There is a great value of getting to know people. I love what Pastor Ron used to do years ago when he pastored small churches and People would come up to him and say, Brother, I want to come preach in your pulpit sometime. 
You know what he would ask him first question? What's your home church? Where do you, who's your pastoral covering? And he told me this. He said, why? Because I want to have somebody I can ask about this individual before they ever darken or stand behind my pulpit. You want to know something? God has called, God has appointed, and God has anointed. And it's time the church begin to value the destiny that God has already laid out. I don't know about you, but I'm sick of cuteness trying to get into the pulpits that God has built and God has laid foundation for I'm tired of cuteness I'm tired of entitlement within ministry also there is no ministry that belongs to us within this house we better humble ourselves within this house and declare this ministry belongs to the Lord and we better take it serious Hallelujah. There's value when we study and when we prepare ourselves and when we get ready to teach the various ministries. There is a great value when we say, God, it's not just about ministry, but it's about my relationship with you so that others can come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I don't know why I feel this this morning. Honey, we better value what the Lord has called and destined. Hallelujah. And what the Lord has said is mine. Hallelujah. Praise God. But now here in chapter 17, the Lord is saying and declaring once and for all, once and for all, I'm going to reveal into the face of people whom I have decided, whom I have destined and whom I have laid out. I'll, I'll say this real quick. I've had to be careful with this passage of Scripture. I've had to be careful with it because it is one thing. It can kind of open one can of worms after another. And before you know it, when you preach this message, you're getting ready to preach about six sermons. Okay? Like my dad told me, he said, don't preach series, preach sermons. Okay? Okay, one time he was giving some counsel. I'm going to tell on him this morning. And he told, he told a brother, and I'll be honest with you, the brother needed the counsel because he bored the church to death. He bored them to death. And he told the brother, he said, Brother, you're very knowledgeable of the Word of God. That is awesome. Praise God. But that message was not a message. It was a series. That would have made an excellent teaching series. So I find myself having to kind of back the horsey up a little bit, land it just a little bit. But I want to preach a message entitled, Destiny in the Dead Places. I want to take a look at something. Throughout Scripture, there is a great mark of authority, especially throughout the Old Testament. And that is the, the holding of a rod. The holding of this, how in the world could a walking stick carry such a high level of authority? But if you read in Scripture, it's a common place where the Lord decides that is where I am going to make my mark and my symbol of authority. 
Now, why is that? You want to know something? Because in order to have authority, there's a deliberate picking up. Authority is literally picked up and taken a hold of. And therefore, if we do not make the deliberate picking up and the authority, in the authority God has called and that God has marked, we're just simply on our own accord. If you think about this for just a second, the, the time and the stint of Moses and the accounts of Moses, without the rod of appointment within his hand, he was just a stuttering, lifeless man. In other words, God was saying, I want you to go and carry a mark of authority that I have put on your life. There's also the great writing in the 23rd Psalm speaking how thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You know what a shepherd's staff would do? It would lead and it would guide and it would direct the sheep. A sheep doesn't necessarily have instincts to find water, but they need a shepherd to lead them to water. Oh, I like how the Bible says he leads me beside the what? The still waters. The still waters and the calm waters so that I can drink and so that I can hydrate. There's a leading, a guiding, and a directing in this authority that the Lord puts within our hands. But I begin to think a little bit about a shepherd's staff. I begin to think about the process of this rod. I begin to think about the fact that there is a great lengthy developmental process that a rod has to go through before it is at the place where you can safely use it as a rod. Before you can safely use it as a rod. Did you know that one of the key things, one of the key things in one of our favorite snacks as Americans, ice cream sandwiches, did you know one of the key ingredients is time? Did you know that? Did you know an ice cream sandwich will sit in a cooler warehouse for a year before it's eaten? Did you know that? I think I might be exaggerating. Please don't Google that while I'm preaching. You, you can question me later, okay? But it's like months it sits there. You ever notice how does that cookie get so soft sitting up against that ice cream like that? It's because it sits in a warehouse, and I've heard this before. I'm not just preaching that they scrape the mold off of it before they put it on the shelf. Oh, praise the Lord. I, I've heard this. Amen. Someone told me, so it's true. He said, it's, it's kind of like the staff. There was a process that the staff had to go through where it would dry out before you were able to use it as a shepherd's staff. But before you put it through the process of drying out, you had to take some type of an axe, some type of a hatchet, and begin to cut away this branch or this stick away from the trunk of the tree, away from the rooting system. You see, sometimes as human beings, or many times as human beings, when it comes down to our faith walk, there is a breaking away 
of a natural order. And our human emotions would much rather the Lord take us back to the place of natural order. We would rather pray before we get some type of a diagnosis. Rather pray the Lord would take us back before the storm, before the dilemma, before the situation. But if you've ever noticed something about breaking, it's when the miraculous begins to take place. Because the Lord breaks us away from the natural order from the place that we're the most comfortable with, and he begins to release the miraculous. Life would be so much funner if we didn't have to go through the storms, if we didn't have to go through the pain, through the irritation. Life would be so much better for human beings if they did not have to go through the process of grieving and suffering and anguish and agony. And how many times have we found ourselves begging and lamenting before the Lord saying oh God let me just get back to the way life was before I lost my loved one let me get back to the way life was before I had this struggle before I had this pain before I had this suffering but it's at those particular moments where God said I broke you away from the natural order for a reason I broke you away from the place you were comfortable for a reason I broke you away from that household for a reason. I broke you away from that relationship for a reason. I broke you away from that job for a reason so that I can once again miraculously prove myself. Oh my goodness. It was in the breaking away of the rod of Heron where God said, okay, right here, right now, it is in possible it doesn't make sense but I want to reveal myself to a people and let them know to trust me and stop trying to make sense in Luke's gospel chapter 9 and verse 16 it says he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven he blessed them and break and gave to his disciples to set before the multitudes. I shared on a Wednesday night a couple of weeks ago that so many times we will read that passage of Scripture with the mentality that after the blessing there was all of a sudden a multitude's buffet. But the Bible said Jesus took the five loaves and he took the two fish, looked up to heaven, and he blessed two fish, and he blessed two loaves, and break them. I begin to think about bread. And I begin to have this simple yet powerful realization about bread. I begin to realize that you can have the most beautiful of loaves sitting in front of you. You can have an Italian bread. You can have a French bread. You can have a Parmesan oregano bread sitting in front of you. It can be baked to the absolute most perfection. But then I realized something. Bread was not intended to just be looked at. Bread was not intended to be any kind of a piece of artwork. Bread was meant to be what? Bread was meant meant to be eaten. Bread was meant to be digested and consumed. And in order for the bread to be eaten and consumed, it first had to be broken. Whew. There's power in the breaking away. 
Leave the mentality of the former behind you and realize there's power in the breaking away. Praise God. Stepping away, breaking away from the natural order of things. Jesus looked at this minuscule lunch and he said, okay, I'm going to bless this, but then I'm going to break it. There's also another account in Scripture. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 17. 7, starting at verse 11 through 17. It says, and it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and much people. And when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. Wow. Talk about the breaking away. Talk about the fact that Jesus looked upon a woman who was agonizing and grieving and he literally tells her not to cry. Don't weep. And he came and he touched the bier or the, the coffin and they that bear him stood still and he said, Young man, I say to thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. And there came a fear on all, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen up amongst us, and that God hath visited his people. And his rumor went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region round about. You see, there's, I find it quite interesting. The, the oxymoronic way that sometimes the, the, the flip way Jesus has a tendency to handle things. Because it would have made a much more, you know, Prince of Peace demeanor would have made so much more sense if that young man was already sitting up before he looked at the mother, the widow mother, and said, don't cry. Before he looked at her and he said, weep not. Yeah, yeah. I believe it's the New King James Version that speaks and makes note of the fact that this coffin, this casket, this thing that this young man is laying in is in an open state. You ever notice something that for some reason the more broke, broken we can be, the more public we tend to be? You ever notice that? That in more times than one, someone walks up to you, shakes your hand and says, Hello, Vicky. I heard your dog died and you lost your job. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I, 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 buddy, I heard your children are all messed up. Nobody ever says congratulations on the promotion. You ever notice that? I mean, come on now, we, we, we can go, I'm not going to stay on negativity, but can we be transparent for just a second? There's almost an adhesive to negativity. 
There's almost this weird adhesive with Nate. It kind of makes you want to draw yourself to that. I don't know what it is if it's, I'll have to study it out in psychology or we just have this weird reaction to it. Amen. You ever notice something about news articles that are, are on uh, websites and social media? That the title of the article is almost completely irrelevant to the story itself? Have you ever noticed that? You ever noticed that? It's almost like it's completely and totally irrelevant to what they're saying. But you click on it and you read the article, you're like, what in the world? That's not what the titling says. Because the human mind has this drawing to negativity. And it's almost like when we're in a broken state, for some reason, it opens the eyes of a whole lot of people around us. I, I haven't seen this person in a long time, but one of the first things I ever had to address as a supervisor was we, we had this girl and this other girl walked in and she, she asked the person, she said, Oh, I remember you. Didn't you have a baby in high school? <laughs> There's the negative connotation to it, the, the negative connection to it. And truth be told, I, I would love, if I was a psychologist, I would love to study this concept out. Why are we so stinking drawn to negativity and to bad news? Why are we so glued to it? It must be, there must be some type of ion or something that feeds the human mind when we think about other people's negativity. And when we're in that phase where someone has taken a hatchet and has cut us away from our comfortable place, a whole lot of people are around to see the brokenness. But do you see what's beginning to happen? That the same crowd that is around to witness the brokenness is the same crowd that is there to witness the miracle. Do you see what begins to happen here? That there was this, this group of mourners, this group of people that were there supporting the woman had no choice but to celebrate the fact that the one who was dead is now alive. The broken process flat out stinks to go through. Let's be honest with ourselves. If you think it stinks to go through the brokenness, will you say amen? amen. If it's not hard on the emotions to go through the brokenness, will you say amen? But is it not wonderful to know that the God of our hope, even where we've been cut so much that we see, we see death begin to be manifested within us and it kills us and it takes us down. He's still able to bring life in the midst of that dead situation. Oh, hallelujah. See, the situation you have here is you've got this rod. You've got this piece of wood that's been cut away from, from, from the source of nutrition, from the source of enrichment, from the comfortable place, from the place it had known, for, known from the time that it was literally conceived within the ground and took root and began to grow. This piece of wood that knew that tree good and well had been cut away from that tree 
weary, destroyed, broken, sat out in the sun, just left for dead and left there to dry. Then finally it gets into the hand of a leader. It gets into a hand of a great leader. And he's thinking to itself, oh yeah, I'm in destiny now, only to find yourself in some dark tabernacle. Oh, but it's when we're in the dark tabernacle when God reveals himself. And in the midst of an old dead stick, blossoms begin to come forth and fruit begins to break forth. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Fruit begins to come out and it begins to blossom. You see, there's something about an almond blossom. An almond blossom is seen through the months of January and February. In other words, it doesn't even wait till spring to sprout. Yeah. It's got its own timing and its own season. Woo, glory. In other words, it's got a premature season. The beauty of the almond blossom comes out before any of the other blossoms come out. Glory. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I'll tell you what will turn your head. It's a blossom. It's the beauty of a flower. It's this opening. It's revealing beauty that man just can't stand but to see and to take in. I want to tell you something right now, folks. Don't lose heart in the season where you've been cut away and dried up because prematurely there's going to be a blossom that's going to spring forth and people are going to have to admit it. Oh, hallelujah. The devil's going to have to see the beauty work and the handiwork of God revealed in your life. Though he's cutted you, destroyed you, and dried you up and made you even think your destiny's being taken away. But hold on tight because your destiny's going to be revealed once and for all. Hallelujah. 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 It says, though, but in that process, in that process, in Numbers chapter 17, verse 7, I love how that verse simply says, and Moses laid up the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness. You know what's happening there, saints? We might be broken, we might be dried up, but we're still in the presence of God. We're still laying in the presence of God. Oh, we're still laying in the presence of God. He's still aware, he's still awake, and he's still alive. And he's still knowledgeable and thinking about you in this process of suffering and development. We're laying in the presence of God. Oh, somebody believe that this morning. We're laying in the presence of God. We might be suffering, we might be struggling, but we're doing it right here in the presence of an omnipotent, omniscient God. Woo, praise God. Hallelujah. And he laid them up in the tabernacle of witness. I like what it says in Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set up on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched. Oh, somebody say, the Lord pitched. 
and not of man. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve under the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For, see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern shewn to thee in the mount. What am I getting at this morning, saints? I'm glad I'm of the New Testament church where his presence is not wrapped around material. His presence is inside of me. His presence is working around me that when I'm broken, when I'm dried up, and when I'm struggling, I'm right here in his presence. I said the Lord's presence engulfs, it envelops, and it surrounds. Here we are ministering before the Lord, laying ourselves out before the Lord, saying, God, I might be broken, I might be dried up, I might be used up, I might be broken, but I declare I'm in your presence, and in your presence things change, things happen, things are cultivated for your glory and for your honor. Honor. Hallelujah. Woo. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Woo, glory. He says what's happening is that the earthly revelation is now disintegrated and what has been cultivated on earth at one time. There is a bridge that has gapped everything that all nations, tribes, and tongues shall be pushed and driven by his presence. Honey, declare it out of your mouth this morning. I'm walking, talking, speaking, and living in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Mm. In verse 8 of Numbers chapter 17, it says, And it came to pass that on the morrow Moses went into the tabernacle of witness, and behold, the rod of Aaron for the house of Levi was budded and brought forth buds and bloomed blossoms and yielded almonds. The New King James Version says that it did not just yield almonds, it yielded ripe almonds. We got any gardeners in the house? Got any gardeners? Come on, just wave your wave your hand. Oh, praise God. I special there there's something about a connection between grandparents and grandchildren and the garden. Now, when your children are out in the garden, your children, you look at them and go, Don't pick those yet. They're not ready. Come here so I can hit you. Go cut a switch. We were stupid enough to go cut our own switches. We talk about this generation, but we're part of the generation that was stupid enough to go cut our own switches. Come on now. 
Maybe we, <laughs> we were stupid enough to go cut our own switches and go get belts so we can get ourselves a whooping. Oh, but it, it's, when it's with grandbabies. When it's with grandbabies. When little grandbabies. First time I ever went to Louisville, Kentucky. For a couple, couple years I had gone to my grandma's house by myself. And my mamma in those years, in her younger years, had this massive, she, they, they lived in this, they had like three acres, but it was like, imagine having three acres in, in like, um, you know, like Grove City is to Louisville. So they had this, it was a very nice piece of property for the area that they lived in. And mamma was an avid gardener. And she'd wake up when, honestly, I don't think my mamma ever slept she was a she was a gray sleeper she'd take like six two or three hour naps through the night and then you know that's through and throughout the day but she never slept solidly so she slept a few hours got up with the chickens so to speak and started picking that garden I hated the gardening mamma and I did not bond on that oh but a couple years later this perfect little blonde goes with me called my sweet little sister who was wanting to get her hands dirty with mammal. And so much so that right, she had this huge covered patio. She had a nice little place. It, it, was, like a, it was like, imagine yourself having a place in the country in the middle of everywhere. That's, that's kind of how it was. Right behind her patio, mammal took her little tiller and she cut in about three strips in that tiller so Nerissa could have her own garden. But they would go out to the big garden, and I remember hearing, kind of hearing Mamaw talk. If my grandma shares a testimony in Bidwell, you're going to hear it in Jackson, okay? She just has that kind of voice. But I would hear her say, Rissy, Those tomatoes, you can see them. They're, kinda, they're not ready yet. But now those are. But they're not ripe enough. We, we don't want it. They won't, those won't taste good if we pick them at this point in time. They're not, they're not ready. But she said, oh, but those were. And I liked, there's something on the rod of Aaron that it made a declaration that the almonds <laughs> were ready <laughs> and that they were ripe and they were at a point that they needed to be in order to be picked. What am I saying this morning, saints? I, I just want to say, some of y'all going through the process and going through the struggle, but it's going to be soon where God's going to declare, you're ready. And now the switch has been flipped. The greatest of the fruit was produced on the rod of the most resourceful nutrient fruit was produced on the dead 
rod, the rod that had been cut away from its nutrient source, a rod that had been laid out to die and dry up and then finally just thrown into a dark building overnight. But it was in that darkness where God said, I'm going to reveal once and for all the destiny I have for Aaron. And it was in the dryness, it was in the brokenness, and it was in the waiting. I want to tell some folks this morning, keep waiting, keep believing, because soon you're going to be ready. Oh, soon you're going to be ready. It's not going to stay like this, women, uh, sons and daughters. It's not going to stay in this state in this way any longer. Soon you're going to be ready. Praise God. Praise God. Would the worship team please come? Can we all stand together and just give the Lord a hand clap and a shout for the truth and power and might of his word? Oh, praise the Lord. Praise God. I'm going to be honest with you this morning. I don't want to give recognition to numbers, but we we do have some saints that are uh, traveling. We're soon to be in school season. So I said all that, say this, that we probably, the congregation we have this morning, I think we've got plenty of room up here in this altar area. And I just feel a leading for the saints to just come together. Is that okay? While the praise team begins to sing. Everybody that will come, just come on up here. No no big structure thing, just come on up here. As the praise team begins, everybody that will come, please come. Oh, just... Hallelujah. Come on, just go ahead and sing it with them, saints. Sing it with them. Tell me what can I do? just to lift up your hands. Can you do that? I want everybody that would begin to lift up your hands and realize that while you're in the waiting, while you're in the waiting, you're waiting in the presence of God. While you're in the struggling, you're struggling in the presence of God. And soon, soon, there's going to be a breaking forth and a breaking through to where he's going to reveal in a great and powerful way. We declare this right now in the name of Jesus that while we're waiting, oh God, we know that you're alive, you're awake, and you're aware in Jesus' name. 
Jesus name we decree this we declare it God oh come on somebody cry out to God right now believe that the struggle is soon to be over decree that the pain is soon to be over oh in Jesus name Jesus name tell me what can I do yes God Here in just a second, I'm going to ask them to go to the bridge of that song. I'm going to ask them to go to the bridge of that song. I want you with all of your might to sing and realize that you may not be able to walk without him. You may not be able to talk without him. You may not even be able to think without him. Well, guess what? That's a great revelation, isn't it? We can't think, talk, or walk without him. Would you right now, right now, come on, saints, lift up those hands and rejoice this morning. Rejoice this morning. Oh, tell me right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Father, we believe it in the name of Jesus. Here's what I want. i tell you what. I remember years ago, pastor used to say something, that it's not the words of the song. It's the way we sing it. It's the way you sing it. It's the way we say it. Sometimes we listen to a song like this, and it's good to be flat on our face, but this ain't a flat on our face time, okay? I'm going to encourage the praise team and the saints alive to open up your eyes, open up your mouths, lift up your hands, and sing it in victory this morning. Can we do that? Can we do that right now? Right now in Jesus' name. I can't walk without you. I can't talk without you. I can't sing without you. I can't sing without you. I can't live without you. I can't breathe without you. I can't be without you. There's no being without you. I can't walk without you. I can't talk without you. I can't live without you. I can't live without you. know, I, I really appreciate that message Pastor Micah shared. And I think the beauty of it all is this.
about that staff is this. Guess who ends up holding that staff? It's the high priest. High priest Jesus Christ has us in his hands. And I want you to pray right now. I want you to say, Lord, I want you to use me. Lord, I want you to use me. Lord, I want, throughout the sanctuary, I want you to pray this prayer. I want you right now with me say, Lord, I want you to use me. Use me, Lord. I'm in your hands. Use me, Lord, to bring you glory. Use me, Lord, to bring your message. Just use me, Lord. Use me, Lord. Use me, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Use me, Lord. <coughs> I ask you, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, that you set us on fire. We leave this house today. We share the good news of you. We share the message of salvation. We let our light shine. Let us be on fire for you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask it, Lord. We praise you. Amen. Amen. How many here love the Lord? Oh, come on. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I've got uh, one logistical thing I need to share. Parents with kids and kidmen, wave at me. Just wave at me. Kids and kidmen. One, I want to see you next week. But we know the Southern Ohio Gymnastics Academy has that rule about waiver forms. If you could do me a favor within the next couple of days, it will save us a step next week, save you a step, is that if you could just keep an eye out on the social media pages, we'll have a link for those waiver forms, okay? So if you could print those off, as many as we can have, before we go to Soga, it'll just save us a step before we're collecting all of them because we want the kids to flip and run and jump and all kinds of stuff, right? Amen? Amen. We'll see you Wednesday night. God bless you. God go with you. You are to